This is Jim Minns, Communications Officer, and welcome to the PSA CPSU New South Wales podcast. This week... There's also a social responsibility to deliver the courses that are required, and that could be for people who are newly arrived in Australia who need uh, to improve their their English. Uh, People need to improve their literacy skills, their numeracy skills. These are all social responsibilities. There would be very, very few private providers who would look at running those in those regional towns because they're in the end they're motivated by the bottom dollar whereas what we have to be is motivated by the bigger picture which is providing education to everybody. On the podcast this week, off the back of a revealing week that showed the New South Wales government indicating substantial cuts to frontline staff in TAFE, CPSU New South Wales Branch Secretary Stuart Little sat down with Shadow Minister for TAFE, Jahad Dib, to talk about the shocking cuts, what they mean for the vocational sector and what can and should be done to improve the situation. We're here at the CPSU New South Wales podcast edition today, joined by Shadow Minister for TAFE, Mr Jahad Dib. How are you going? G'day, I'm great, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you very much. And Branch Secretary of the CPSU New South Wales, Mr Stuart Little. How are you going? G'day. uh, Yeah, very good to be here. Thank you. So you guys had a cracker week last week with your press conference announcing these numbers that came out regarding the TAFE job cuts. Can you enlighten us first, Jahad, about what the numbers presented meant for job cuts in the region specifically? And then maybe allude to where you went to in question time that week, based on this information. Well, thanks, Jim, and um, and you picked it up. I mean, we had we had a big week, and and credit to the CPSU, you know, for for, for getting these figures and and really jumping on as quickly as possible. And Stuart and I had a terrific press conference there at Ultimo TAFE, and you know, it's really important that we did that. But it was easy to have that press conference because we were fighting for something that was so important. What we've learned is that nearly 700 positions are going to be deleted. In other words, people are going to be sacked. Now, let's not forget that about a year and a half ago, 200 people were also removed. And I love the government saying that these are back office positions. Well, no, Stuart and I agree. These are absolutely critical to the operation. So we took that information and, uh, you know, we asked some questions in Parliament and, you know, as we expect, the, the government could not come back with an answer. They couldn't justify this. And instead they've said, oh, no, we've got our figures wrong. Well, oh, I'm sorry, but these are the figures that actually came from the briefing that was given to the union itself. Um, and we'll continue fighting that. And I'm, I'm with the CPSU on this one every step of the way. And it's been a really excellent uh, a way of seeing how people really stand behind TAFE and all of the people who make TAFE. It was quite um, enlightening, as, as Jahad said, because, I mean, you, you, you're staggered by the overall numbers that have been presented to us. And keep in mind, these are not our figures, these are TAFE's figures. You know, TAFE has come to us with their change management plan and put on the table, as Jahad said, close to 700 job cuts Disturbingly, a lot of those cuts are from the regions. You know, we're we're talking upward of um, four hundred to five hundred jobs being cut from the region, and you know, the the worst part of that, a lot of those jobs will be working women in in regional locations, and those jobs are so important um, for all, you know, for everyone, but in particularly for working women. We found during the pandemic that a lot of um, you know, a lot of burden has been placed on a lot of our members, you know, particularly our, our women members whose husbands have often um, lost their jobs or, or had their hours cut during the, the worst days of the pandemic. And, you know, these public sector jobs are so important, um, particularly in the bush. So um, it, it's amazing then that you get TAFE and the government come out and say, oh, no, 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 it's 50. And it's like, well, 
how do you arrive at 50? Yeah. It's your figures. It's, it's your figures, and we keep putting them up. You know, student services, oh, these are backline jobs according to the, um, you know, Mr. Barillaro. I don't know, these are, I think he was talking about promotional jobs or manage, um, marketing yes. jobs yeah. and things like that. And it's like, well, no, no, these are student service jobs. These are the people who have to actually assist with the delivery yeah. of vocational training. Mate, even enrolling, like enrolling new students, um, you know, helping out whether it's with with any of the assistance that's required. I, I think, I think what was really clear is that Miss um, Barillaro wasn't really sure what he was talking about. And you know, the information that you've got instead is that these aren't back office positions. That you know, they often use that phrase back office, like you can just do without them. But there's no way in the world that you can do without them. And and in the end, to have a proper functioning system, you need those support staff. There are people. I mean, they've deleted positions that are student services, that are engagement. There's a vet. Uh, school TVET stuff. It, it's amazing that you look at those types of jobs because, you know, if you want to learn how to be a farrier um, or a tradesperson, I think this was what you raised <laughs> last week, you can't learn to do it by an online course. That's right. You, you need to put a drill in your hand or if you want to learn how to be a farrier up at Scone TAFE, if we keep it, if they're not going to yeah, sell well, it. Hope, hopefully hopefully you know, they come to their senses. Yeah. I mean, you need to actually grab a horse by its, um, you know, hoof and, and learn how to change that shoe, and obviously learn everything else there is to be a farrier. Yet you can't do that from afar, and you need these people, logistics people, student services. They're the people that make that happen. Yeah, and I, I think that's a that's a really important point because, as I said earlier, like it's a way that the government will try and say, well, these positions don't matter. But the fact of the matter is, we know that every single organisation relies on on support staff. You want your teachers to be able to teach, but the teachers won't be able to do their job if you don't have all of the support staff around them, everybody doing the things that they need to do. I mean, the other thing that we've got a, you know, a really good example, people might not consider it, but say a security guard, you know, out of the facilities, the security guards. And if you look at, say, one particular tape where they, they get a rough idea of who the students are, they get a rough idea of who's in and who's out. If you start moving those people around uh, to different campuses at different times, well, all you're doing is casualising the workforce, but you're actually putting some people's safety at risk, and I think that's a real concern. Oh, yeah. and again, you saw that during COVID, and when they had to bring into play measures um, on, on social distancing, because everyone just assumed that a lot of these students were doing it from home. They weren't, because the nature of TAFE is hands-on, so they had to, to come in and design courses, your hands-on type of learning. And they people like the security guards... Um, you know, all of these sort of student service positions, they were, you know, right in there helping the, the teaching staff on how to um, actually, you know, distance and actually deliver those courses in a safe, effective way. You know, Stuart, I think even if we talk about student support staff and sometimes people sort of go, well, look, there's a whole range, but let's actually look at students who need support, especially with their academic ability or they may have, say, a disability of some sort or they might need somebody to just help them guide them through it or a or reader. So there's somebody who's very capable in terms of being able to use their hands and do the practical bit, but they actually do need support. These are the sorts of positions that are going as well. These are critical positions for someone to be able to succeed. And, you know, and I think that's this government's approach is really about trying to make education as cheap as possible. We've got a skill shortage. You can't, you can't do that. You, you can't just continually run... On a you know on a, on a smell of an oily rag because it's just so important. And Jed, they talk a lot about NDIS and the reform that NDIS has brought in, and it's about access. Um, you know, the jobs, some of the jobs being cut are our members who actually help students with disability. Yeah. You know, people with disability in regional locations have it. 
tough enough as it is without then having you know support cut down from under them when it comes to TAFE and allowing access to TAFE. They are the jobs being cut. They are exactly the jobs, yep. you know, from student services, people that, you know, as I said, help people with disability or other disadvantaged people in the community. They're the people that are the go-betweens between the teaching staff and those students, those vulnerable students that need help. So, Jahad, we've supplied you with the numbers and you've taken that effectively to Parliament to question time last week, but estimates is next week. What's the next step from a parliamentary process? So, so the parliamentary process is a really good one and the timing has worked out well because we've got budget estimates. And, and this sort of thing, uh, this information that the CPSU has provided me, it gives me such a great ability to be able to ask a question. Now, we know that the, uh, the minister is going to say, no, 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 you're making this up. Well, there's nothing more powerful than holding up the piece of paper. So, well, hang on a second. This has got your logo all over it. So can you explain that to me? The real question I want to ask is, why are you doing this? What's your commitment to TAFE? What's your commitment to people? Are you looking to casualise the workforce? Are you looking to remove the workforce? We'll ask him again the question about the privatisation. Now, we've got a really interesting scenario where there seems to be a lot of people getting a lot of money in TAFE at the upper echelons, but the people who are actually doing the, the on the coalface, the frontline work, are the ones who are being disposed of. And we've got something wrong in our system when we think that somebody who can earn $600 or $1,000, um, you know, we can have more of those but we actually reduce the people who do the, stu- the student services and the support. That's where we've actually got the, the real problem. So we've got budget estimates coming up. Um, you know, Stuart's also touched on scone TAFE. There's some things happening around scone TAFE. What we really want to do is, apart from them trying to justify how they could do this, is try to get them to reverse this and say, if we believe in TAFE, then why are we continually cutting? And, and the minister will get up and the premier and every person will get up in government and say, we value TAFE and we support TAFE and we're creating a world-class TAFE system. Everything they say doesn't match the things that they do. You don't sack 700, 700 people when you're trying to build a world-class system. Exactly, um, Jahad. And, and uh, you know, the, these, this documentation is great, but, but what's troubling is what's not in there because it, it does say quite clearly that the um, student services branch is going to lose 495 jobs. It's there, it's, it's in, in print, and that the um, logistics um, side of the operation is going to lose over, a, you know, or so going to lose 183 jobs. We know then, also, it's broken down by metro and by regional. Again, these aren't our figures, these are TAFE's figures. Yep. What we don't know is places like, you know, Wollongong, the Hunter. Um, you know, Wagga, all these regional centres that, that need these TAFEs to be there to provide vocational training um, for people, particularly people who are caught up in the pandemic who are looking to reskill yep. and then, you know, relaunch their work and how they, well, you know, their, their vocation. So people who may have, you know, been in hospitality and then found, well, during COVID it was closed, they couldn't get a job or they just couldn't work because, you know, the pub was closed or wherever they were in cafe restaurant they've decided well i want to reskill i want to launch something different you go to tafe that's where you go to that's where you're going especially in the bush in the in regions you must have tafe look i was at an event last night um it was a local business chamber of canterbury banks down and there were a whole heap of people there and obviously talked about tafe and and the amount of people who came up to me afterwards and said they got they, that's where they got their education that's where they got their start and how, and the love that they have for tafe absolutely blew me away and every single one of them was saying just keep up the fight for TAFE so together we're going to keep up the fight for TAFE TAFE's one of those things that everybody loves everybody knows the value of it 
for this particular government, they know the cost of everything, but they actually don't understand the value of things. And it's really important to make the distinction there. And you've talked about the regions. We're encouraging people to move out to the regions, to try and restart their life in the regions, to be able to expand the regions. And yet we're cutting these really core educational services that could help. We've got industries in particular regions that are crying out for support. And yet we've got, uh, you know, the Minister of Premier get up and said that everything's hunky-dory. Well, it's not being hunky-dory. And we were promised, as, as you know, better than anybody else, Stuart, we were promised that when the wage freeze happened, there weren't going to be any job losses. Well, hang on a second. The public sector was the one who who basically said, okay, we'll, we'll have to cop this one on the chin. We'll accept it. We'll be part of the whole team. And yet as soon as they, the opportunity comes for the government, what do they do? They cut 700 positions. It's it's absolutely indefensible. And you're right, Jahad. The, I mean, you know, in the darkest days of that pandemic, it was the public sector that, that really was out there protecting the community and supporting the community. And to then be told, you know, during the course of that event, well, there'll be no pay rises, there's going to be a wage freeze because we need to protect jobs. We need to particularly protect jobs in the community. Yep. And here you see this TAFE, um, you know, job-cutting exercise where they are pulling the rug out from under close to 700 people, the bulk of whom are in regional locations. And, and you know, um, I mean, you mentioned this in your presser the other day, and I thought it was a really good point you made, Stuart, was that... The money that's earned in the regions is spent in the regions. So somebody with a job in a, in a, a medium or a small or a large regional centre, they're spending their money locally, which then goes back to support the local butcher, the local greengrocer, you know, the, the local maintenance, uh, you know, maintenance person. If that money is there, then it actually has an expansion effect and it has a ripple effect throughout the whole community. When you start taking people out of regular, secure jobs then what you're doing is you're creating a, a fear that, um, that anything can happen at any time. And if, if I'm one of these unfortunate people who have lost their jobs and I can't see any other work available, then why would I stay there? And what we're doing then is we're coring out and we're hollowing the regions at the very time when we're really trying to encourage people to get out there. And, and even the announcement of this is going to have a, an effect on every person that works in TAFE. They're going to be now be thinking, well, is there a target on me? It's going to stop spending at a time when we need to be spending and supporting those businesses that have been hurt during the pandemic. It couldn't come at a worse time, but but to think that it's vocational training um, that you're cutting, it's just indefensible. Well, we do have the... We, we know we've got a skills crisis. We have actually... And I don't use the word crisis lightly, but we've got a massive skills shortage. Um, you know, things... Hairdressing, for example, you think, oh, there'd be heaps of hairdressers. There's a skill shortage in hairdressers. Um, there's a skill shortage we know in the disability sector, in the health sector, in, in a lot of the trades, in every possible skill you can imagine, we've got a shortage. We've also seen with COVID that we're not bringing in as many through the 457 visas. So what does that tell you? That tells you that if we want to really be able to establish a workforce that's sustainable, or maybe a manufacturing industry, whatever we can do in Australia we need to be investing in the vocational and skills training. So this is, a, this is the biggest problem that I have, and it's, it's one that I struggle to reconcile. How can you continually talk about how good you're going if at the same time you're actually pulling the rug out, as you said, from staff? Oh, it's, it's crazy. The, I read reports by Anna Patty in the Herald put out it last August. So it was only, uh, what, five, six months into the pandemic that there were 20,000 less apprenticeships yeah. in that period. So less than six months, there were 20,000 less apprenticeships. As Jahad said, we've got a skill shortage. Yeah. 
Where do people get skills? They get them from TAFE. They get them from people, qualified, experienced people, helped by student services, yeah, helped by absolutely. the maintenance. You know, they, they're the people that, that impart that knowledge that they've learned um, onto young students who are skilling up for the future. Do, do you know, I mean, and I pick up on that point about the young, because we often talk about young people that started their career and so forth, but when we were out at Ultima the other day, I, I met with a lady and... And she was there. She was a little bit, a little bit older than, than me. Um, and we're having a conversation. She'd lost her job during COVID and was actually at TAFE learning new skills to be able to transition into new work. So while it gives some people a, a fresh start in life, it also gives others an opportunity to be able to move around, but also to upskill. It's a trusted institution. TAFE is not set up like a private operator to make money. Theirs is actually about delivering a service in the end, the service benefits all of us. It's such a good point because I think there would be tens of thousands, if not more, people who are going to have to reskill and you know really think again about what they're going to do in the future because the economy's changed. Yeah, it just has changed, particularly in regions. So TAFE is something that can you know they know from the demand that they receive how they can structure the courses that they provide and where those courses can be um, you know provided. But you can't do that if you rip it down and you rip guts out of it and you expect that the private sector is somehow going to go out and replace, you know, 130 TAFE campuses that we've got across the state, um, you know, and 130 years' worth of um, tradition that we've got. You know, they can't do that. The private sector is not geared for that. Um, you know, you've seen the... the, the the bottom fall out of the foreign student um, economy. The, there's no foreign students here, so it's affecting university it would also affect the private vocational trainers because they're just not there. So there's no demand for, for private vocational training. So what happens? You rely on the state, the public sector, you rely on TAFE. And and you wouldn't, um, you'd imagine if you're a private operator and you're looking to make money, you're not necessarily going to go look to set up in the regions where there's a smaller population and where there may be less uptake. And yet interestingly... In the TAFE Commission itself, there is a really important point that this says that not only to be able to deliver uh, what you need economically, but there's also a social responsibility to deliver the courses that are required. And that could be for people who are newly arrived in Australia who need uh, to improve their, their English. Uh, people need to improve their literacy skills, their numeracy skills. These are all social responsibilities. Mate, there would be very, very few private providers who would look at running those in those regional towns because they're in the end they're motivated by the bottom dollar, whereas what we have to be is motivated by the bigger picture, which is providing education to everybody. Exactly right. And, and you know, again, that's why, as an institution, um, TAFE, it's been there, you know, for 130 years. It, it's seen us through so many periods of economic decline. Um, you know, uh, the First World War, the Second World War, the Great Depression, all of those periods of economic... And, and every time we have a recession... People use it as an opportunity. If they can't get a job, well, at least they can go to TAFE and pick up skills and try and get themselves a job. And it's just so damning when you see a government um, think that, that the private sector can somehow go in there and provide that, particularly in regional locations. Um, they just can't, and we need uh, we need a strong and vibrant TAFE um, supported by you know the New South Wales government. Uh, Jihad, uh, t- taking the passion from what you're saying, obviously no policies yet on the table, but w- for the benefit of our, of our listeners, we can take it that the opposition, the Labor Party, 
would have a strong policy to support TAFE all the way. Oh, look, definitely. And we've spoken about the fact that um, we, we believe in the importance of TAFE. Uh, we, to the last election, we went there with a commitment, um, you know, with a, with a minimum spending, a spending fund. Uh, we've gone into the, the new courses, the new enrolments. It will not be anything less than that. And, uh, of course, it's still it's still a fair way after the election. But suffice to say, um, you know, all your members can rest assured that, that all of the language that I'm using is the language I've been using for the last year or so since I've been in this position, which is actually about making sure that we rebuild it properly, that we rebuild TAFE. Because it's, it's, it's one thing to say we're going to save TAFE. And I think that's really important. But we've got to do more than that. We've actually got to bring it back to what it is. We've got to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to go to TAFE, that we link also TAFE to the industry. So people who want to be critical of TAFE say, oh, you know, because it needs to be modified or it needs to be updated. Or Why don't we work with industry instead of just walking away from TAFE and saying industry can do it? Because once we once government, I say we because I'm not going to link myself to, to what these guys are doing, mm-hmm. but once they walk away from TAFE, it's like they're washing their hands of it and we can't afford for that from governments. We can't afford public education to be this thing that is a lesser option. It should always be the best option and the first option. So, I mean, the commitment is that we, we are heavily, heavily uh, involved in, in working on uh, on policies and we'll engage with the important stakeholders. You know, we'll be engaging with the unions and, you know, also with the students who are there. What are the things that we can do? How do we make sure that TAFE never... Um, goes down the path of what this government would like, which is a privatisation path. It's a good point in, in, in terms of working with the industry in particular. You've heard all this rhetoric about we don't want to be reliant on foreign markets. In particular, people were talking about our over-reliance on China for manufacturing. If we're going to seriously look at um, you know, manufacturing locally, then surely then we're going to need you know regional locations, which historically have, have been manufacturing hubs. I mean, you used to have big manufacturing places out at uh, um, Lithgow, at Orange, and, and numerous regional towns. If you don't have a TAFE campus there to support that, they can't operate. So going forward, and again, when, at a time when, when the economy is no doubt going to restructure because we don't quite know what's going to be at the end of this pandemic, you know, they're only just now rolling out the vaccine, um, surely we need to have a strong TAFE that can respond to those challenges going forward. Surely we need that. We don't need 700 cuts. Absolutely. 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 Well, I guess I could speak on behalf of Stuart when I say that TAFE is a major part of our union. Uh, our members uh, are really in love with it, as are uh, the, the Greater New South Wales. We really need it, but we also really need a champion in New South Wales to fight for it, and that's you, Jihad. Yeah, thanks, Jim. So thank you for doing that on our behalf, and uh, all the best to you. Thanks for joining us on the podcast hey, today. Thanks for having us. And and I'd and also like to thank Jihad for, for standing up there for the members and, and fighting um, for, the, for them and for their jobs and for their communities that they serve. It's, well, it's so good, Jihad. We thank thank you, Sue, and I, I want to thank you. You've always been here. It's a team effort. Um, I can't do it without you, you know, and you can't necessarily always do it without me or with the members. We actually all do it together, but there are some things that are worth fighting for. TAFE is definitely worth fighting for. This is a weekly podcast, and you can subscribe to the PSA CPSU podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jim Minns. Thanks again, and you'll hear from us next week. Uh, 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 uh.